You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. We're going to wrap up our series today called The Life We Live and the Lies That We Believe. So um, these lies that we believe, you know, we've been talking about this, how funny thing is the word believe. If you look inside of it, the word believe, it's the word lies right in the middle of it. You know, you were created by God to believe things, to have faith in things, to have faith in God. And so by nature, by default, you're going to believe something. That's why the truth is so important, because you can believe a lie. People say, well, if it's a lie, how can I believe it? It, it, it was irrelevant. You we can believe a lie. And we've all done it before. It's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed. We have all believed a lie, every one of us, in some way or another. But the problem with a lie is this. That when you believe it, it affects you in a way that begins to um, affect your walk. Like the things that you um, not just believe, but the things you react to. Like it gets in there long enough, you start acting on it because of what you believe about it. And it isn't, if it's not true, you can see how kind of messed up it can get later on. Like if you heard something as a kid or as you're older or something happened to you or whatever... You believe this lie that, you know what, when I come to church, everybody's looking at me like, no, they're not. But you believe that because someone told you, man, all their eyes are on you because they're really not. No one's really looking at you. I mean, that's not because they don't love you, but no one's like staring at you. No one's thinking about you right now. I mean, I don't know how many of the people in here are probably thinking about a ball game. There's another half in there thinking about a grocery list. Some others are thinking, well, I should probably pay attention to this because he's about to preach. But I, I got this other thing on my mind right now. I'm trying to get it out of my mind. That, you know, we all have that going on. But the weird thing about when you believe something, even though it's not true, it affects how you react in life. And it can be a pretty frustrating thing. It also can affect your, your walk with the Lord. Um, so last week, so I had a pretty crazy, you know, week, uh, two weeks here, um, uh, we, my uncle, uh, he plays a lot of golf and he's really good at it and won some, uh, passes to go drive race cars. So he took me and my cousin, we, uh, the three of us went to go to drive race cars at, uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now you might think, well, you know, that's cool. Well, let me just explain a little bit about it. And, um, I got a picture I'll show you. This is, uh, me getting in one of them, I think. Yeah. So there we are. So this, uh, speedway at Atlanta Motor Speedway, it's very difficult to see, but you can see the grandstands in the back. That's flat on the, the asphalt where you're driving. But those grandstands, uh, I can't remember the banking, 30-something degrees, maybe more. But you're driving, the, the road is like this. And you're hanging that at 140 mile an hour. So it's not that easy, first of all. And it's pretty scary when they put other people on the track, too. <laughs> like, I know me, I know what I can do. But I don't know who that other person is and what they do. And what happened was, so I'm driving, and um, he was able to get, and because they had so many wrecks, people were wrecking like crazy. I'd never, I'd only done this once before, but my uncle was able to get us extra laps. I mean, this is a great, he got a great deal. <laughs> so, I, I mean, we're driving, I think we got 13 laps total. And you may think, well, that's not much. I promise you, you've never done this. You jump in and do about four, and you're done. It's really not that easy. And uh, so, anyway, um, we get on the track, and they always cost We run late and all this kind of stuff. So they get us on, and we're going. And this guy, he's talking in your ears, and he says, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay on the flat. When I tell you to go up, you go up. 
And you just follow my lead, okay? And when I tell you there's a car coming, I need you to go left and lift. That means you go down the lane, let them pass you. It's the professional drivers. They're running at like 180 mile an hour. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. You know, the first time I did it, I didn't think anything about any of this. The second time I did it, this car I'm driving in, this time was a little weird. It felt, uh, if you ever watched these guys are racing, I'm not going to take long with this, just to explain this, how it felt when I was in the car. Um, when they get on the radio and they talk about, oh, this car's loose, it's loose. I get it now. Like, I didn't understand that before, but going around a curve at 140, it felt like the back end was going to come out from under it. And I just, all in my mind was going like, I don't want to wreck this stupid car. I mean, you know, like, it's got insurance, but I got to pay a deductible of $1,000 if it goes south, and I don't want to wreck this car. And then I remember the story the glass guy told me about Daryl Earnhardt Jr., who gets too close to the, to the lane and the line that goes to the flat, He's a professional, you know, if you've ever heard of this guy, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is pretty, I'd say he's a really good race car driver. He accidentally got too close to this line and spun out and wrecked. So I'm thinking about that too. And there's people passing me. And it's just like, I don't know why, but I was like, I didn't feel comfortable like the last time. I don't know what it was. It was just a, this odd feeling. So I'm driving and like, you know, the more I drive, the harder I'm giving, you know, gas to it. And then finally, you know, I'm, I'm going wide open, but this guy makes me go left and lift. He means there's professional guys coming by you, get down one lane. So I do. But it's not a two-way communication, it's only one way. So I can't talk back to him. Like, I can't say, hey man, all right, I'm down. is that it? Is there any more cars? You may think, why don't you look back? You can't. Like, you literally, this is what it feels like when you're driving one. And so you can't turn this way because you got a neck harness on. You can't go that way because there's a bracket. There's nothing. You have to trust that what they're telling you is a fact. Like, it's so weird. And I don't even know this guy I'm listening to. And he's saying, left and lift. Okay, I'm down. Well, now I'm down here by this line that Dell Jr. spinned out on. And I'm freaking out because I'm down this line. And I go about two or three laps like this. In my mind, I'm going like, dude, can I go back up now? Like, I want to get off of this line. And I want to get the second lane. It's easier to run. It's going to go faster. It's easier to run. I want to get off this lane. He won't talk back to me. I'm running three laps. And you may think, well, and it don't take long. You're moving quick. But, man, I'm getting like, I don't usually get anxious. Like, I'm just, I'm stuck in this car. This thing, if you're claustrophobic, don't ever do this because you'll freak out. You sit in a harness. You literally have strapped in here, here, the neck, this. Then a window net is locked in. I mean, you're in, man. It's like a spaceship or something. You're not getting out. If something happens, I ask the guy, how do I get out of this? One more time, tell me. This, 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 this. I said, and he forgot to tell me how to unhook this. I'm driving thinking, what if I wreck? I can't. I don't even know how to unhook my neck. I, I, I'm stuck in this car. I don't get anxiety. I'm not an anxious person. But I am kind of sweating bullets in this. I don't know why. I'm just a little bit nervous. And this guy won't talk to me. So finally, here's what I did. I thought, listen, man, I'm tired of being on this line. I don't like it. I don't like how it feels. I don't like how this car feels on this line. It's not comfortable. I'm going up. And my thought was this. You know what? If there's a car coming, this guy's going to scream at me to stay where you are. If there's no car coming, he's going to say nothing. So I just, when I got back on the flat, a little straightaway, I gave it all the gas it would give, and I just slowly move up. Thinking like, you know what I mean? I'm going to trade paint, or 
but I'm tired of being on this line. It was, I just did not like being down there. And so I get up there. He didn't say anything. I'm like, my radio's broken. I, it's, there's no other explanation. Why can't he talk to me? Going on the next curve, the one that's really steep, and to me, it's, I don't, it's, not, it's the one that feels like the car's going to come out from under me. Get around it, get speed back up on the flat and wide open. And this guy goes like, good job, number nine, doing good. <laughs> I wanted to reply back to him, uh, hey, bud, listen, dude, that ain't enough. I need to know, is there anybody behind me? There's cars going everywhere. Oh, you're doing good, number nine. Okay, looking good, looking good. Here comes another professional. All right, I need you to lift and lift. So I, this time, I'm, like, I'm going to lift and lift. When he goes by, I'm going back up. He goes by, and I just ride back up behind him. And now I'm like on him, like going, okay, I'm watching so I can see. God never says anything. So my dilemma of that was uh, kind of maybe different than others. Maybe, I don't know. But it made me think about this, how true it is that if you believe something that's not true, you act on it. I was stuck in a lane that I didn't want to be in. I didn't like it. But I stayed there because I believed something that wasn't true. I believed that this guy in the radio, the spotter guy, he looks at you, make sure you don't hit something. I believed that he told me to go left, stay in the left lane, and I believed that he would come on and eventually tell me it's okay, go back up. But he didn't. And he wasn't going to do that. So believing something that you think is true it can get some of the, not the same action, but it can get some of the same reactions by believing something that is true. Because you act on it. Faith without works is, but when you believe something, you act on it. Even if it's a lie. I mean, do you understand there are people right now, just because, and I, please, I am not, I, no one has told me this. I just know because every time these things happen, this is what people do. And there's nothing wrong having backup, okay? We got canned goods. We, my grandmother cans. We got stuff, you know, she's got so much food. If, if, if an apocalyptic thing happened, I'm, we're going to be fine. Like, I'm, we're going to bunker down at Shirley's. We'll, be, we'll live for a year or two. I mean, it's all right. But all because the conflict in Israel, which is a very difficult thing and a very troublesome thing, there are so many people right now that will get so afraid and they'll start stockpiling food because they're afraid that something's going to happen in America too. Now, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I'm just telling you, reacting to bad news, you're too late. If you're going to do that, you ought to do it long before. You don't react after something happens. You're, you miss the window. Nothing wrong with having stockpiles. But believing that somehow, because of what's happening over there, that it's somehow going to just crush your life here. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm just saying it's happened so many times. I'm not going to get in fear and run for the hills because of something that's taking place in the Middle East. So I say that because we've all heard things in our lives that we begin to believe. And here's a question, why? Why do we believe things that aren't true so much easier than the truth? And again, I'm not getting into contentious issues and things to get people upset and picking sides or anything like that. But this thing in Israel, let me just say this for a minute. Common sense, just some simple common sense. We have seen and read about war, and it is a sad thing that takes place. It's, it's horrible. 
Nothing good ever comes from it most of the time. Now, in the case of fighting off evil, you you got to deal with that. But I'm just saying, lives are going to be lost, and it's a sad thing. I don't want to acknowledge that, okay? It's a difficult thing. And innocent people pay the price on both sides, no matter who's at war. Innocent people do, including children. It happens. It's war. This isn't a video game. It's not something you can just watch on the news and get your favorite personality to instruct you on it. You really know what's going on. Take some time to dig into it a little bit. But common sense would say, if you fire at me, I'm going to retaliate back. That's just common sense. I mean, Christians have this idea that Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He's referring to persecution of your faith. He was not referring to self-defense. I mean, I don't know if anybody, if they came after your kids at your house, you would do everything, last life, breath in me, I'm to protect my kids. I give it all. I'm defend to the end. I'm not going to turn the other cheek if it's self-defense. Now, if it's for my faith, and somebody comes and says, you either renounce Christ or we're going to put a bullet in your head, then I love every one of you. I would hope I could say goodbye to my family. But I'm not going to renounce Jesus. And in that case, that's persecution of your faith. In those kind of th- situations, what, what are you going to do? But Jesus never said you couldn't defend yourself. And he's certainly, for a nation, like uh, that can't sit around and just let somebody bomb them. So I say that because when I say that, I'm not, I want you to hear my heart on this. All because of this, all of a sudden, this anti-Semitic stuff's picked up again. All of a sudden now Jews are scared in America. And this is happening at universities. This is happening in cities and communities. Words. All because a group of people believe that Israel is out to get all the Palestinians. And it's not true. And I've been there. I've been there three different times in country. And I've been in the Palestinian regions and I've been in, on Israel's, I don't been on the one that Israel occupies and the one the Palestinians take, that they're responsible for. I've been on both sides of that wall. And I can tell you this, that the belief that people have that Israel hates the Palestinians is false. It is not true. Now we went over there and took a couple of trips over and the funny thing is when we took um, my father-in-law went, my mom-in-law, and my grandma was been, numbers of you court, numbers of you guys remember, all went different times. But the funny thing is, whenever we go, uh, we eat Mediterranean meals. And after about day two or three, everybody's like, man, I need like McDonald's or something. Because <laughs> all this cucumbers and ranch, it's so healthy. There's no, it's just plain. Everything is a vegetable there, right? No doubt, this is a fact. Whenever we go to the Palestinian territories, we eat at a restaurant there. Now, I'm going to show you a picture. This is one where we ate at one of the restaurants. You can see the, the restaurant. This is a Palestinian-owned restaurant. Now, I blocked out the faces. Some of you guys are in here. I just didn't have permission, so I just blocked out faces. But this is a Palestinian restaurant filled with Palestinians, 100%. And this is what everybody says when we go here, that is the best meal of the whole trip. A fact. Every single time, that's what everybody says, can we find another place like that when we get back in Israel? I'm like, no, no, this is how it works. I mean, 
They do kebabs filled with chicken and steak and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, it's come off the charcoal. There's some vegetables, but nobody's eating them. It's just steak. It's like steak fest, man. So good. And they're so kind. They're so gracious. And not all, but some are believers. Some are believers. I want you to hear that from me. However, there are some in those regions that are out to just create problems. And it's difficult to figure out. But uh, anyway, I've been, here's Israel. I'll show you this next um, picture. This is Haley and I. We were at the Western Wall in Israel as we took their team there. They went with us. But there's the Israeli flag here. This is the Western Wall. And there's a belief that goes about that says somehow that this belongs to the Arab nations and the Arab culture. And if you're of the Arab culture, I'm not being mean when I say this. I'm saying that there is a belief that's out there. The problem with that belief that somehow or they get it because the Dome of the Rock sits on it. And you understand Israel is like giving in on all this stuff. Like, okay, we're, 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 we're not going to push this Dome of the Rock thing. You guys can have that at the top. You realize no Jews, if a Jew goes up on top, we've been there before with our, our guy, and it was, he was so nervous because many times they'll just run you off. If you're a Jew, they'll just kick you off the thing. Just get out. It, it's a very, and you, there certainly wouldn't be allowed to go in the Dome of the Rock. It, but then you can go right down to the old city, and you'll be in the middle of the, the Arab quarter, the Jewish quarter, Christian quarter, and they all get along. I mean, in a bazaar, they all have to sell their goods and they all get along, for the most part. The problem with this belief that somehow the Temple Mount is, you know, owned by Palestinians or anything else like that, is I've been under that thing. Like hundreds of feet down, not hundreds, probably about, yeah, probably almost 100 feet down, maybe, close to it. Maybe I may be off of my measurements. But I could take you down and show you foundation stones that go from this wall to probably me, from that wall to me, long and taller than I am. And that's not being a funny joke either. I mean, that's, that's a big rock. Can, can we agree that's a big rock? Foundation stones from thousands of years that were placed there by men that you read about and women that you read about in the Bible. David wanted to build this temple for God. And God said, no, your son's going to get it done. But you go back to Solomon, the days of Solomon, there's the foundation stones there. I'm just telling you, there are things that we believe because it's on the news and this and that and the other. doesn't make it true. People can say all day long, this belongs to this, this belongs to that. I'm just telling you, if you go back and study history, where Israel is, there weren't anybody there. It was a, it was a dry and desolate place. What they have done, if you go to Israel and see what they have done, it is an absolute miracle that they can do what they do in the size and scope and the place that they are. So I say that, so why do we believe what we do? Why do we do this? Well, James says this way, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust, don't have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain. Now remember, he's writing to Christians, okay? This is interesting to me. That shows you what they were dealing with. You fight and you quarrel, you don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you might spend it on your own self. Ultimately, James says this comes out of us, but where does it come from within us? 
And I want to show you this from a true a truth from your Bible and Scripture. Because ultimately this division, anger, fights, hatred, racism, whatever you want to call it. All this division that's there and it's present. It's fueled by the enemy. And the crazy thing about it to me is this. And I'm, I'm not, this is not my message. I'm just, I just want to intro with this, okay? The crazy thing about this is if you trace us all back, like the color of my skin really won't matter. Because if you trace every one of us back, if you could go and do some Ancestry.com, if it went that far back, every single one of us would get back to the sons of Noah. Every single, it wouldn't matter your color. It wouldn't matter your nationality, your language, your ethnicity, or anything else that divides us. Because if you go back far enough, if you're a Christian, now if you don't, if you don't believe this, then you'd have a hard time with this. But if you go back as a believer, every one of us come back to the sons of Noah in some way or another. And if you want to go back further than that, you can get all the way back to Adam and Eve. But the genealogy, you're a part of a family, and I, I'm saying that because I want you to see this, this thing that we look at so stinking much, skin, our language, or an accent. When I go to another country, I have an accent. <laughs> they hear me and go like, what? And they probably look at me like I'm a little bit ignorant. Because in their country, I am. I don't know where I'm going, don't know what I'm doing, I'm just trying to get through. Think about that. So if someone else comes to you and they have an accent or a different culture, ethnicity, or whatever, think about this. What are your thoughts right then? And just ask yourself, why? Why is that there? And I'll tell you, it comes back, if you look at it, it comes back to the enemy which is in this world. And I just want to share a few minutes on this right here in John 8. This is John 8, verse 44. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, Okay. This is important. Just remember this because when I say the next part, Jesus talking to Pharisees. This is not Jesus talking to like, you know, Mary or somebody who came in, somebody who cast out the devil. He's talking to people who have had time and study. They know who God is. He says to them, you, you are your, for everybody who thinks Jesus is always sweet, just read these words. You are of your father, the devil. I've never said that to anybody. I mean, I wanted to, but I've never called him the devil. But you're of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. And he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, I could spend a long time unpacking this right here. If I could, if I could, if I could give you the movie of my life in ministry, this right here, I could show you time and time again, where people who just believe something that is not true and it throws them off their faith. So it can happen to anybody, but I'm telling you. He's the father of lies. So when he speaks, all he does is produce lies because the truth isn't in him. So he's a, the byproduct of Satan is what? It's a lie. So anything that is not true, he is behind it. You have to understand that if it's a lie, if it's fake, if it's false, I don't care what we call these things. 
wherever it came from, these little lies, little white lies, whatever. I don't know why or whatever. A lie's a lie. If it's a lie, it's not true. And if you, if it's a lie that I've participated in, guess where it's coming from? The enemy. He can't help. It's his nature. Contrast with that with God, God the Father, when he speaks, he speaks truth. And it might be hurtful sometimes, it might feel uncomfortable, but when God speaks the truth, because his nature is true, he can't speak a lie. Matter of fact, the scriptures say about God, God, there is no lie, he cannot produce a lie, there is no lie, he's not a liar. The enemy is the liar. So what is a father? So let me just share this with you real quick. Father is a nourisher, he's a protector, he's an upholder. This is the definition of the word father in, in biblical uh, language. A nourisher, a protector, an upholder. Abraham was a father. Somebody's jamming out, man. I don't know what that is, but like, y'all got that? Might take that call. I don't know. But anyway, so Abraham, consider Abraham. He was a father of many nations. A father would be, you don't have to be a daddy. You can be a spiritual father. Like there's men in this room. You, some of you men in this room... You have enough knowledge within you that a young man could come alongside you. You could have a lunch with him or a coffee with him, and you could help instruct him in the ways of the Lord. You have that much in you you could give out. You could be a spiritual father. You didn't produce him. Biologically, he's not yours. You have no real responsibility for him, but you could instruct him in the way of the Lord, and he could become a man of God, even without a real father. Spiritual fathers, they're real. Um... The other definition is this. This was really odd to me. They, the scriptures, uh, the definition that they give through these concordance is that the members of the Sanhedrin would be considered fathers. Now, the members of the Sanhedrin are the Pharisees, Sadducees. It was the people that Jesus just called, you know, a bunch of, you know, you're, you're of their father, the devil. Not all of them, but a good many of them. And it made me think, and isn't it funny how spiritual leaders... They can produce whatever they are. Like, so if I was a liar, I have a church filled with liars. It's a weird thing, but I've, I've been around it before and I've seen it. makes me really step back and really consider a lot of things that, man, what, what am I portraying? What am I saying? And how am I living? Because whatever I'm doing, it rubs off on other people. I've often wondered why, you know, our church isn't the biggest church in the nation by any means. I mean, people say this is a big church, but I've been to, like, I know what they mean. But when you go to certain places like overseas and other places and you see a church of like 10,000 people gathering, it's insane. And then you think, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it is a big church. But anyway, I often wondered why our church exceeds the average in giving. Like on average, our church over the years, we, we exceed per, however you measure the thing they use, we exceed the average. I think average now giving is like 12% of the church actually give. Ours typically is in the 20 percentile, 22, 25%. Sometimes it's 29%. Now you might think, well, that's still not great. No, it's not great. But that's the, when the average is 12 and you're pushing almost 25, it's above average. And I often wonder why. Well, because we give. Haley and I, we, we, we are. We're givers. And not bragging. I'm not, 
But I'm just telling you, whatever you are, it kind of rubs off on. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I love my kids dearly. I care about my kids dearly. I love my wife, and that's my kids, you know? That's hard to separate, but that's what you got to do. You spouses first, then the kids. And I love them deeply. And I get around some of you guys, and I hear your stories, and I hear you say the same thing. How deeply you, you love your family. So it, it's an interesting thing. When I read that about the Sanhedrin, I thought, wow, that's a serious thing. And it's no wonder they would produce the viciousness that some of them did. And how they could actually crucify Jesus. Because they believed a lie and they produced more liars. And those liars just went with what they said. Now can you see why there's so much hatred? Because when someone can produce hatred like a Hitler. And convince people that you should eradicate a Jewish nation. How can one man do that? Well, he produces lies. So therefore one other person believes his lie. And then another person believes his lie, and another, so he's producing that. Now they're producing that. It's whatever is the connection, it rubs off and it becomes a part of. Sanhedrin, it's called fathers, interesting. Then you have Father God, which we know. I, I, I don't want to take too long, but I, I can't really. But you understand, Father God, he loves his children. He's a good, good father, filled with mercy and compassion and everlasting love. But you're not going to believe this. The next person in line is Satan. The concordance definition from trustworthy sources, multiple sources, considered Satan a father. I mean, Jesus said he was. He's a father of lies. He's producing something. And each produce what they are. And that's why I think he tells us to watch out for these kinds of things. Um, I'm going to just give you a couple of scriptures on this and, and wrap it up. First John 2.26 says, These things I've written to you concerning those who are, watch, trying to deceive you. Like, I don't know if you realize this, but there are people who, just because they profess Christ, does not mean they really are Christian. And just because they have a fish on their stick, on the back of their car, doesn't mean they are trustworthy. And you need to understand this, that there are some people who are trying to deceive you. They are trying to deceive you. So what do you do? You have your antenna up. You be aware of it. First John 3, 7 says this, little children. Make sure no one deceives you. Why would he say little children? And it's so cool? Because he's speaking as a father. He's saying, listen, little children, I'm speaking to you right now as a dad because I love you. When I talk to my kids, it's things like this. Baby girl, you text me when you get there. I want to know when you arrive. I want to know when you leave. Because I know how long it takes to get home. I don't want you calling me or texting me in that car. I want you to text me when you get there. And you text, she started driving. You know, well, she's been driving for a while, but I'm still kind of not ready yet. You know, she's driving at night a little bit now. I'm like, honey, it's, it's night time. Don't go down technology. Why? At night, because there's too many deer. I advise any of you not to go down technology at night. It's way too many deer. But she, so she doesn't. I talk, she's my, I love her. I'm a, man, I'm, I'm for her. You understand what I'm saying? So he's, John is saying this, little children, I'm for you. Make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Now what he's saying is, don't get this misunderstood. You practice righteousness, but we all make mistakes, okay? 
Y'all understand what I'm saying? You're going to make a mistake today. You're going to mess up. You're going to fall short of the glory of God today. All of us sin and fall short. That's not what he's saying. If you're practicing righteousness, you're going to stumble. But if you stumble, the Lord will pick you back up. You're not practicing unrighteousness. That's why you're here on Sunday. If you're here on Sunday, I'm going to tell you right now, you're practicing righteousness. Right? You didn't come to church this morning just for a fun time. You came because you wanted to, man, I I'm, I'm love Jesus. I, I want to hear something from God. You're practicing righteousness, but you're going to fall short every, every now and then. Let it go and keep pushing on with God. But I'll tell you this much right here. Deception is a part of the enemy. And if the deception is present, so is he. So, so how do you overcome this? Just real quick. How are you going to stop it? How are you going to overcome it? Well, Jesus did this in the wilderness and explained it to us. If you remember, um, he uses Matthew 4. You just write this down. But he was faced with the very same things we are. Led into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. And this is what Jesus said. And so uh, he said he was led to this Matthew 4 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after that, he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, guys, it's clear. It says he became hungry. I've fasted a week before with nothing but water. I've tried to go further. I have a really weird metabolism. You may think that's an excuse. It's not an excuse. I get lightheaded, you know, dizzy. I have to eat stuff. If you see me, I'm like one of those guys, I can eat a lot. Yes, I can. And I know you're thinking, well, it's not fair. I understand. It, it, it's, I'm, it's, I'm suffering for the Lord, okay? I just want you to know I'm sorry, but I suffer for the Lord. I can't imagine 40 days. I, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, the Lord, spiritually, the Lord would have to help me. Physically, I, I couldn't do it. He's saying he's hungry. 40 days. And the tempter comes to him and says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. But he said, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he's saying, Don't be tempted by the things you see. In other words, it's the, the idea of satisfaction. Be satisfied with what you have. You don't be tempted when you have what you need and you're, and you're content. Don't be tempted by the enemy to do something just because. If you want to do it, make sure it's just your own want. Hey, man, I'd like to pursue this. Well, that's fine. But don't do it just because you feel like you got to fit in, because somebody else did it, or because it looks cool. Make sure it's your decision. Y'all understand what I'm saying? This thing of satisfaction is real. And I'm going to show you a picture of the Temple Mount real quick. Um, if you guys don't mind, this is the pinnacle of the Temple Mount. This is where the enemy took This is my photo. I'm, I've been there. I've seen this. To put this in perspective the best I can, that's high. And Jesus took him up to this place, and this is what he did. This is what you would say... Um, uh, a bit of a supernatural thing, but it says the devil took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. Look at that. In case you're wondering, it's hard to even put this in perspective. Uh, those trees probably are 12 to 20 feet tall. So 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 20, 40. You throw in the temple. I mean, it, that valley down below 150, 200 feet down or more. That's just me guessing quickly. He took him up to the pinnacle of this temple and he said, if you are the son of God. 
throw yourself down for it's written. Now, he's now using scripture. He'll command his angels concerning you and on their hands they'll bear you up so you won't strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, God, I love you, man. He, like, you're not going to win a fight with Jesus on God's word. On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord God to test. There's something about this where people feel like you've got to prove God to them. Well, if God's real, why not? Can I just tell you something? I got over this a long time ago. God's big enough to handle those things. I don't have to prove anything for God. I don't have to prove anything. And when you try that stuff, it gets into some weird things. I had a friend that when I was a kid that um, we rode bikes up and down. Uh, I don't even know if I told you this, my mom, but uh, she used to have a restaurant. <laughs> I, didn't do, it wasn't, I didn't do anything wrong. But it was just weird. Um, but this guy used to ride up and down the, when she had a little restaurant out in the, our merchant, I'd go there during the day and stuff. And this buddy of mine, we'd ride up and down the streets and uh, backwards on bikes and stuff. One day he tells me this story. I, why? I don't know. Just out of the blue. Shows you how the enemy works. Just out of the blue. Messed with me for a while. He said, one night he was at his house. Nobody was there. He looks at the TV and says, God, if you're real, turn on the TV. Well, nothing happened. Then he says, you know where this is going, right? If you're, Satan, if you're real, turn on the TV. TV comes on. Now, that may seem ooky spooky, and it is. I was like, I, I got to go back to the restaurant. I, I, I don't think I can play tomorrow. I'm like sixth grade or less, I think. I think, yeah, No, no, I'll be out of town next week. You know, I'm like, dude, I ain't never getting around you again. You're weird. But he believed that. Why? Just because the TV came on. God doesn't care. He doesn't have to prove anything by a TV. He doesn't need a TV to prove anything. He doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. He's God all by himself. And I just tell you, you don't have to put him to the test. Don't let people box you in and think you've got to test God on something. In some kind of supernatural way. So in the last thing he did, watch this. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, go, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. These are the things where the desires are out of control. It's all about self, chasing after things. He's trying to get you to chase after this. If you'll just do this, then you can have that. Man, if you just weren't so in tune with God, if you would just back off your Christianity just a little bit, people might let you come to their thing. If you didn't act so, if you didn't pray for people, if you didn't talk about God so much, if you weren't such one of them kind of Christians, then maybe we could get, you see what I'm saying? If you'll give up this, then maybe you can have that. I'm just telling you, watch out for that. It's better to serve the Lord and go without than to be a part of that for a season. And uh, Bruce, you can come on up. And we're, we're, I am, I'm done. You come on up. Um, but I'm telling you, each time Satan is trying to produce in Jesus, who he is. Everything about this was all about self. You, you know, if you'll just do this, you can have this bread. 
You can have it, right? If you just do it. And you have to understand when he did it, these, these rocks in Israel, if you've been, you know what I'm talking about, some of them, if you look at them, the thing would look like a loaf of bread. The way they're rounded and stuff. It's not like here, we have a bunch of granite and things like this stuff out there is different. Hey, I mean, probably looking at the thing looked like bread. What a temptation. And he says, no. I don't need food. I'm going to live by God's word. And each and every time he started with his identity about who he is. About who he is. If you're the son of God. Can I tell you this morning, this thing about who you are in Christ is so important. It is so important for you as a believer. That's why he's after it. And that's why he goes after who you are in Christ. And so this morning, as I want to pray for you and, and I want to take the time to maybe ask you a couple of questions, but to challenge you in a couple of things with the Lord. And if he started with this, if you are the son of God thing, I wonder what he starts with us with. Man, I can tell you time again, my kids... Uh, ask me questions, and I'm very honest with my children. I don't, I don't believe in acting like something you're not. I don't believe in trying to portray something that's not real. Now, that's me. You may not be as comfortable with that as I am, but I just, I am sometimes a little too brutally honest with my family. You know, my kids ask questions, and we tell them. It, if they ask us, we just tell them. It's hard sometimes because they ask some tough questions, man. There's some weird stuff in the world today. And, and you want to go like, hey, can we just talk about that one? Can we just put that one on the shelf? And when you're like a couple years older, can we talk about it then? Like, I just, I don't really want to explain that. Like, where did you hear this from? And so that happens. But we're brutally honest with them. And here's why. Because I want them to know that their daddy cares enough about them that they, when they ask me questions, if they have a need, I'm, when I tell them something, I'm brutally truthful with them. So when they need me, they understand my words are as truthful as a man can be. I'm not God, but as pure as my heart can be on it, that they know I'm, I'm, I'm being real with them, I'm not hiding anything. And uh, even when I, what I do, they ask me, uh, the other day, I can't remember which one of them was, is like, Man, you know, Dad, you just get up there and speak like it's no big deal. It's like, like it's no big deal? What do you mean? Yeah, oh, yeah, you're just so comfortable up there. I'm like, I'm nervous. <laughs> well, you don't know, you don't tell it. Well, every time I speak, it's like butterflies in my stomach. I mean, I've heard people say I would throw up if I had to speak in public. Well, it feels like that sometimes, still. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> you know, that's gross. I don't like that. I just got to, you know, get over it. So I feel like the Lord asked me to do this, I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to lie to my kids and act like I got it together. Oh, your daddy walks out like he's the man of God. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I don't have a doubt whatsoever. No, I do. And when I finish, I pray over it. Because I say the things sometimes, it's just, you know, it's not me. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's me. I mess up sometimes. I say something I didn't mean to say. It's just you're in a hurry. You're nervous. You say something. And you... It just happens. So I pray, God, don't let him remember me. Let him remember you. You know, let him remember what you said. But this is not a show. I mean, like, I'm not, if you ask Bruce, I'm sure, playing piano, ask God to play the guitar, anybody. You prep, 
as best you can, but you're still nervous sometimes. So the reason I said it, because my kids saying they want to do a recital. They were so nervous about it. I, said, I get nervous too. So this morning, let me ask you a question. What is it you believe about God that might not be true? Maybe you believe that he's not for you. He says in his word, I'm for you. 100%. What if you believe something they lie that the enemy has told you God doesn't love you? God so loved the world. See, you've got to come out with God's word on this. So this morning I want to pray for you. And whatever it is that you're doubting God on right now, that's a lie from Satan. He has produced that. It's become a child maybe. It's become something that shouldn't be in your life. And all you have to do is combat it with God's word. But if you don't know God's word on it, find it. But we're going to pray right now and ask God to move. And whatever it is, I want you to think about that one thing or two or three things, whatever it might be, that's a lie from the enemy. And I'm going to pray for you. So if you close your eyes and bow your heads just for a minute, I'm going to pray over you right now on this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And Father, I ask you to remove whatever it is, the doubt, the fear, the hurt, the pain, whatever it is that is not of you, Lord. Something, some lie that the enemy has spoken that is not true. I'm asking you right now, Holy Spirit, by your power and might, would you remove that from their life? God, would you seal them with your Holy Spirit? And would you protect them from those lies that the enemy is trying to tell them? There's some of you in here right now, a couple of things I want to say. Keep your eyes closed. Just, just, I just believe this from the Lord right here. There's some of you in here right now, you think you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Can I just tell you right now with your eyes closed, there's not anyone that's good enough. Only Jesus is good enough and he died and extended his grace to you. You can't be good enough. You just got to accept the free gift of God. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to measure up and you don't have to stack up. All you have to do is be what God called you to be and that's his child. Surrender that to him. He'll do what he needs to do to help you get through the next steps. But you don't have to worry about being good enough. One already came that was more than good enough and he shed his blood for you. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer. There may be some of you in here right now that this is the one thing you've been nervous about is committing your life to Jesus because you think because of your past, for some reason, the enemy has told you a lie that your past is so rough, so many mistakes that somehow he's not going to take you. And that's a lie from the enemy. And so I want you to disregard that lie right now. And pray this prayer. This whole church will pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Repentance and faith towards Jesus Christ. So if you would, repeat this after me with the whole church right now. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you everything. And I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and cleansing me and taking me in as one of your children. In Jesus' name. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Amen, amen, and amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church, would you give my hand right now? So proud of you for that. Pastor Stephen going to come close out today. Um, so I just really want to encourage you as he's walking up and getting the mic. Man, don't believe that lie. I believe too many lies for too long in my life. And it's just all the enemy. And just let it go, man. Like else, if you got to just sing the song, 
Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let, Let it, it go. go. There you go. There you go, man. Can we get a hand clap for Pastor, J- Pastor Jody? We're not going to believe a lie today. So we just thank you for that word, Pastor Jody. The Lord using you to speak through us. I want to tell you guys. Um, I want to thank you guys for your giving. I want to tell you the different ways to give. So as a member of the church, we appreciate your giving. It helps us to do this and uh, do other things in the community. So we want to tell you guys you can give online at give.cornerstonerome.com. You can take out an offering um, card in front of you and fill that out and put it in the box behind you. As well as you can text give to the number that's on the screen. And we want to appreciate all that you give because um, we know that God has called us to be faithful givers. So we don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it uh, out of obligation. We give because God has given to us. So we do it cheerfully. So I thank you guys for your giving and all that you're doing. I want to remind you, uh, we do have Christmas decoration this Saturday, 9 a.m. Come on out. Guys, we need your muscles. Girls, we need your brains. Notice I didn't say, guys, we need your brains. We know what your brain is on. Football, right? We want other brains. But that's this weekend, and we want to remind you guys as well, if you're interested in helping out with the Christmas service, you'll meet briefly after Chervis, you, after Chervis, at the service. Kanitha will meet you right here, and she'll go over some brief instructions about Christmas service. Finally, as you leave, would you guys go ahead and stand up for me? I'm going to call the prayer partners down front. Um, prayer partners will be here. If you guys need to pray with anyone, we want to be here for you. And as you leave, let us say this to you. As found in the book of Numbers, let's give you this blessing. It says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. Have a great rest of your week. See you guys next time. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.